Unshackled of Pacific Garden Mission presents History's Greatest Sermons, where we share the personal history of godly men who brought forth the truth of the gospel in powerful sermons to a world long ago. Can you imagine sitting at the feet of one of history's greatest preachers and hearing their greatest sermons? Picture yourself on an old wooden pew in Charles Spurgeon's London Church or perched in a tree in the fields of a George Whitfield revival, or striding down the sawdust trail at a Billy Sunday prayer meeting. Whatever the scene, hearing these great sermons from the past will be as fitting to today's Christians as the day they were first preached. And now, here are your hosts, Tim Lundeen and Kelly Robbins. Hello, Kelly. Welcome back. Thank you, Tim, and to you as well. You know, um, it's been beautiful outside lately. Every once in a while, I will reference the weather. Uh, not that I try to use the weather as a means to gauge my own emotions, but man, it's such a blessing to have a beautiful day. It is. Even if I'm not feeling well, mm-hmm. whether that's emotionally or physically or whatever is happening in my family, you step outside and just the goodness of God on a good day, Yeah. even if it's raining. It, it doesn't have to be a good day warm or a good day cold. Right, right, Just, right. Yes. Anyway, mm-hmm. that always hits me. But that's my good morning to you. So anyway. <laughs> and coffee. Don't forget. Oh, yes. There's that. <laughs> oh, I knew I forgot something this Moving morning. Moving on now. <laughs> <laughs> coffee. Yeah. So uh, to our listeners, uh, listen, this is the plan for today. So normally, History's Greatest Sermon kicks in and we talk about the sermon that we're going to hear. And we will hear a sermon today. Good. Uh, however, the sermon is, uh, this is a 30-minute radio and podcast type of uh, not 31, format, not, not 31, 29. No. Yeah. So we're kind of limited on what we have. So what we decided to do is take the sermon of today and we're going to split it. We will hear the first half of the sermon, but the first half is only 10 minutes long. <laughs> now, you do the math. Phil? <laughs> All right. A 30-minute 30, 30 uh, session here with only a 10-minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a lot of talking. We'll make so, it through. Yeah, we'll be fine. Hopefully, uh, our listeners will enjoy it as well. What we're going to do is spend the first part of this uh, program talking about something else. We're not going to get into the sermon just yet, but we will. Uh, we've had some questions come in to us. I feel like we've answered this before, but some questions have come in about what is this program about? Yeah. Uh, why are we doing old sermons? How do you pull that off? You know, like how did you pick the sermon? How did you? How are how are you making it uh, sound that way? Of course, with the with the magic of television, you can make anything look and sound like however you want it <laughs> like to look. Real. But uh, we've had a lot of fun putting these together and and hopefully bringing the listener into these spaces so that while we're here in the 21st century, driving our cars and working out of the gym, what we're hearing is this great historical experience. We've yes. had a lot of fun putting that together. Yes, very much so. And that comes down to some sound things that are choices that are made to help us go there. Yeah. The listener needs to be transported there so they can hear with those ears. I remember we did um, Martin Luther's sermon, and I thought, man, it sounds so neat to kind of sneak in the back of one of those little chapels yes. that he must have spoken in because for a period of time, he was not the most popular guy. No, <laughs> he wasn't, much in secret. Right, he was, wasn't speaking to these large, massive cathedrals. Yeah. It, was, it was these quiet groups and getting people to, to turn to the word. And then on the flip side of that was... Um, the guys that did speak in the large yeah. Uh, yeah. cathedral. Oh, Billy Sunday, who yeah, didn't yeah. need a mic. Right, right, right exactly. Uh, or the guys that spoke to 10,000, yeah. you know, and, and just hearing that, that you can you can hear the sermon echoing off the stones in those cathedrals, just in, in yeah. those chapels and hearing the, the sermons. But then that takes us to the other question. Uh, 
what's wrong with the sermons today? I mean, we with the drop of a hat or the click of a button, you can hear anybody, anybody. from anywhere around the world. You can hear a sermon. Why go back? Mm-hmm. Why go back a hundred years, one hundred fifty years, three hundred years to hear sermons? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things would be that my daily devotional tends to be about 100 years old. Oh, interesting. And and I didn't try. It fell into my lap, and it was so good. I kept it. It's Spurgeon's morning and evening. Yeah. And you start to realize that a, a good thought about God is a good thought about God. Yeah. And because I think that everybody was more of a writer then, because that was the way to communicate. Mm-hmm. And something like talk radio, talk podcast, whatever, was not the genre. Right. The writing tends to be dense and good and to the point and very doable. Mm. So I tend to get my mana in a really neat way off of stuff that isn't necessarily today. And today's stuff is good. I'm not putting that down. But there's a lot to be mined in those caves of Agilum, as it were. Sure, sure. <laughs> and, the the you know, when you said that, it made me think of... The process we have today of whether it's printing a book, an ebook, putting out a podcast, even giving a sermon, mm-hmm. it's relatively simple. Yep. Uh, but back in the day, however far back you want to go, it gets more complicated and more complicated and more complicated. So if you imagine a guy sitting there thinking, if this is going to be printed, it better be good. Yes. And I know there are still some pockets today where that's really important, but mm-hmm. otherwise, I mean, you can write whatever you want and click send. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a big deal. No, we just not... don't think about it. So it's a good point to say that they really put a lot of thought into what they were writing in those sermons they were preparing. There's a phrenology about that, to use the big word, mm-hmm. the phrenology of the hand. You think and edit and go as your thought hits the pen, hits the paper. Yeah. And and there's goodness in that. Yeah. There's depth and breadth. Yeah. Have you seen, I hope that our listeners have experienced that same thing too. Maybe, maybe they randomly stumbled upon the program and thought, well, (laughs) it sounds like a preacher. Uh, It kind of like audibly, it sounds like he's in a church, but this is not your typical uh, clip. I don't like, like, I wonder what's going on here. I hope maybe we've caught some people listening that way or or just kind of discovering what the show has been about. And uh, anyway, bringing it to life is a vision of someone and and the someone starts to have pray about it and ask God to do. Mm-hmm. And so you're hearing the result of that. Yeah. You're joining us. Today. Yeah. One of the things that's interesting about a podcast or anything that we listen to is somebody else made the choices. But in this case, we know a handful of these preachers that we've been listening to. We might know their names. Yeah. But we pretty much haven't read their sermons. No. So, and and I was just saying I was just saying the other day that some of the I'd say half. Really, yeah. maybe half of the sermons we produce so far through History's Greatest Sermons, I've never heard of the people yeah. or I, I kind of knew them, but I knew nothing about them. There's yes. got to be more. Yes. There's got to be more that, that we would love to hear from. So that would be the point, listener. If you know of somebody that has material of worth like that, please feel free to suggest and send it in. Absolutely. The turnaround time is maybe a little different than you think. It right. won't be next week. <laughs> no, it takes a bit of time. But you'll be heard. Yeah. Very much. The vehicles to do that are... We've got a couple of vehicles to That's right. You can feedback. email us, podcast at unshackled.com. You can contact us, I believe, through our app. The Unshackled app is where you'll find all of our episodes as well as uh, past archives. Um, but definitely podcast at unshackled.com is our email address. All of the social media channels, you will find us there. And I think a couple of polls. Yeah, are sometimes up. you'll see requests, questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Call to actions from uh, through social media. It's just a great way for us to stay in touch and for for us to hear from you, to, yeah. to hear like, 
who else out there should we be listening to and paying attention to, even if it's, like I said, 100, 200, 300 yeah, years ago? Good. You yeah. never know what these what impact these sermons can have today. What I love is that truth is truth. Yeah. And truth about God, as we seek to know him better, can come from the most unlikely places. I know friends who get truth of God on on the advertisements on, you know, semi-trucks. Really? It happens. <laughs> God speaks, <laughs> he right? Does. And And so we walk this path together would be the main idea here. Yeah. That whether it's you and I who tend to know, who happen to know each other yeah. or a listener whom we don't know by name, yeah. we do walk this path path together. Yeah, definitely send us your messages, questions, suggestions, anything. We would love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. So turning the corner. Yes. Who do we have today? Today we get to hear from someone we've heard from before, actually. Mm-hmm. J.C. Ryle. Now, just briefly, J.C. Ryle was born in 1819, so you're talking about a while ago, mm-hmm. and he was ordained in 1841. Before the ministry, though, this was a guy who was extremely athletic and smart and came from a wealthy family. He was interested in politics, and he even started studying law, mm. which I will bring up again soon. Uh, but he got really sick, got really sick, did away with all of his his uh, potential and also his father lost all of his banking business or whatever. So just from from having everything in the silver spoon to just destitute. Yes. But that drove him to the ministry for some reason. And mm. he's, he says he owes everything to that and he's grateful for it, which is an interesting attitude. We should respect that. Yeah. Um, but the sermon is, he's going to be focusing on the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. A teacher of the law. Mm. Mm, interesting. Huh. <laughs> yes. Huh. I'm, I'm, I'm noticing a trend here. Uh, but speaking of law, I, I always like knowing that because once you know like, oh, he studied law. Now pay attention. Yes. What What is he going to focus on or what allegories or ideas or images are, are he going to use? What idioms does he use? Yes. It's so vital yes, because scripture uses those same and even the, the message of the gospel uses the language of law all the time. Yeah. And we would be wise to pay attention to that. We tend to hear it horizontally, relationally, mm, yeah, yeah. relationship-based, right, right. right? And and that's okay to a point. But we have to understand that much of it is legal. Yeah. And there are places where we are bereft of understanding. Yeah. We can quote them. You know, Jesus said, hey, you, you've called me master, but you don't have to call me master. I call you friend now. That's great. Yep. Uh, I'm a child of God. Mm-hmm. That's in Old and New Testament. You yes. know, sure. We're the bride of Christ. You're right. It's very relational. But man... The, the legal aspect is is vital to the message of the gospel. Well, let's hear what J.C. Ryle has to say in this first part of the sermon, which is called Regeneration. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, 
ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. The conversation between Christ and Nicodemus, which begins with these verses, is one of the most important passages in the Bible. Nowhere else do we find stronger statements about those two mighty subjects, the new birth and salvation by faith in the Son of God. The servant of Christ will do well to make himself thoroughly acquainted with this chapter. A man may be ignorant of many things in religion and yet be saved. But to be ignorant of the matters handled in this chapter is to be in the broad way which leadeth to destruction. Notice first in these verses what a weak and feeble beginning a man may make in religion and yet finally prove a strong Christian. We are told of a certain Pharisee named Nicodemus who, feeling concerned about his soul, came to Jesus by night. There can be little doubt that Nicodemus acted as he did on this occasion from the fear of man. He was afraid of what man would think or say or do if his visit to Jesus were known. He came by night because he had not faith and courage enough to come by day. Yet there was a time afterwards when this very Nicodemus took our Lord's part in open day in the council of the Jews. Doth our Lord judge any man, he said, before it hear him and know what he doeth? John chapter 7 verse 51. Nor was this all. There came a time when this very Nicodemus was one of the only two men who did honor to our Lord's dead body. He helped Joseph of Arimathea bury Jesus when even the apostles had forsaken their master and fled. His last things were more than his first. Though he began poorly, he ended well. The history of Nicodemus is meant to teach us that we should never despise the day of small things in religion, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. We must not set down a man as having no grace just because his first steps toward God are timid and wavering and because the first movements of his soul are uncertain, hesitating, and stamped with much imperfection. We must remember our Lord's reception of Nicodemus. He did not break the bruised reed or quench the smoking flax which he saw before him, Matthew chapter 12, verse 20. Like him, let us take inquirers by the hand and deal with them gently and lovingly. In everything there must be a beginning. It is not those who make the most flaming profession of religion at first who endure the longest and prove the most steadfast. Judas Iscariot was an apostle when Nicodemus was just groping his way slowly into full light. Yet afterwards, when Nicodemus was boldly helping to bury his crucified Savior, Judas had betrayed him and hanged himself. This is a fact which ought not to be forgotten. We should notice second in these verses... What a mighty change our Lord declares to be needful to salvation and what a remarkable expression he uses in describing it. He speaks of a new birth. He says to Nicodemus, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. To possess the privileges of Judaism, 
A man only needed to be born of the seed of Abraham after the flesh to possess the privileges of Christ's kingdom. A man must be born again of the Holy Ghost. The change which our Lord here declares needful to salvation is evidently no slight or superficial one. It is not merely reformation or amendment or moral change or outward alteration of life. It is a resurrection. It is a new creation. It is a passing from death to life. It is the implanting in our dead hearts of a new principle from above. It is the calling into existence of a new creature with a new nature new tastes, new desires, new appetites, new judgments, new opinions, new hopes, and new fears. All this, and nothing less than this, is implied when our Lord declares that we all need our new birth. Our old nature is thoroughly fallen. The carnal mind is enmity against God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. We come into the world without faith or love or fear toward God. We have no natural inclination to serve him or obey him, and no natural pleasure in doing his will. Left to himself, no child of Adam would ever turn to God. The truest description of the change which we all need in order to make us real Christians is the expression, new birth. This mighty change, it must never be forgotten, we cannot give to ourselves. The very name which our Lord gives to it is a convincing proof of this, a birth. No man is the author of his own existence, and no man can quicken his own soul. We might as well expect a dead man to give himself life as expect a natural man to make himself spiritual. A power from above must be put in exercise, even that same power which created the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. Man can do many things, but he cannot give life either to himself or to others. To give life is the peculiar prerogative of God. Well may our Lord declare that we need to be born again. This mighty change we must above all remember is a thing without which we cannot go to heaven and could not enjoy heaven if we went there. Our Lord's words on this point are distinct and express, except a man be born again, he can neither see nor enter the kingdom of God. Heaven may be reached without money or rank or learning, but it is as clear as daylight if words have any meaning, that nobody can enter heaven without a new birth. Third, we should notice in these verses the instructive comparison which our Lord uses in explaining the new birth. He saw Nicodemus perplexed and astonished by the things he had just heard. He graciously helped his wondering mind by an illustration drawn from the wind. A more beautiful and fitting illustration of the work of the Spirit, it is impossible to conceive. There is much about the wind that is mysterious and inexplicable. Thou canst not tell, says our Lord, whence it cometh or whither it goeth. We cannot handle it with our hands or see it with our eyes. When the wind blows, we cannot point out the exact spot where its breath first began to be felt, nor the exact distance to which its influence shall extend. But we do not on that account 
deny its presence. It is just the same with the operations of the spirit in the new birth of man. They may be mysterious, sovereign, and incomprehensible to us in many ways, but it is foolish to stumble at them because there is much about them that we cannot explain. But whatever mystery there may be about the wind, its presence may be known by its sound and effects. Thou hearest the sound thereof, says our Lord, when our ears hear it whistling in the windows and our eyes see the clouds driven before it, we do not hesitate to say, there is wind. It is just the same with the operations of the Holy Spirit in the new birth of man. Marvelous and incomprehensible as his work may be, it is work that can in some measure be seen and known. And now, let us solemnly ask ourselves whether we know anything of the mighty change of which we have been reading. Have we been born again? Can any marks of the new birth be seen in us? Can the sound of the Spirit be heard in our daily conversation? Is the image and superscription of the Spirit to be discerned in our lives? Happy is the man who can give satisfactory answers to these questions. A day will come when those who are not born again will wish they had never been born at all. That was J.C. Ryle, portrayed by Jeff Parker. Now, I want to talk about an interesting hook. Mm-hmm. If you want to do a good sermon, you have to have a good hook. And there's something that he mentions quite plainly. He says, The conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus is one of the most important passages in the Bible. Mm. And then he goes on to, of course, in his opinion, prove that statement. Despite the stress, despite the mess of our daily life, despite the mess of the culture around us, often we're searching for special encouragement in the Bible. Yes. And that conversation with Nicodemus is one of the most important. I'd bet we don't turn to it, however. Therefore, let's talk about why. Well, one thought that I had was he's he's right. I mean, John 3.16 is one of the most uh, listed, mentioned, billboarded, memorized, uh, lacquered thing, you know, John 3.16, John 3.16. It's almost like God. So, right. Yeah. If you can get it out there and just kind of wash it all over the place, people would just kind of ignore it. Yes. And they stop understanding for God. So that he. Yeah. And and you lose the equation in mm, familiarity. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But it was just such a, I had, had I'd never heard that hook, never heard that sermon hook before. <laughs> uh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, this is the most important passage in the Bible. And maybe it was because of what was going on at the time. Mm. Maybe he knew what was going on culturally that he had to speak to his congregation in such a way. Often true. Yeah. But as a lawyer as well. Yeah. I mean, he's coming at it with two perspectives. Yeah. Um. But I could imagine a, a ministry, a worship ministry leader saying, well, this Psalm of David is the most important passage in the whole Bible. But I actually think uh, J.C. Ryle has a really good point. Okay. Um, he also states in this part about regeneration that being born again is a thing without which we cannot go to heaven and could not even enjoy heaven if we went there. Which I thought was a fun little, like, even if you could sneak in, if you're not born again, you can't even enjoy heaven. There would be nothing to that, which might be why people have such a hard time wanting to be in heaven. 
hmm. looking forward to it now because they can't see themselves enjoying it. Oh, like some people say like, well, I'd rather, ha-. what's that phrase? I'd, I'd yeah. rather hang out with my friends in, in hell. hell. Right. Because they're thinking heaven is just kind of this boring old whatever right. because they haven't been born again. Yes. They haven't seen the true life and uh, the presence of God, what that means for us. Interesting. So yeah. judicially, just to reiterate, yeah. death. And and we are. All of us have, we are dead, though living in these bodies. Mm-hmm. Reborn into life means all is new, all is different. You have been completely the the old is gone, washed away. The wind has blown. Yeah, and and when we forget that, then we miss vitality. We mm. miss the beauty of the relationship with God Himself, and there's the enjoyment. Yeah, you'd mentioned something earlier about uh, in a separate conversation about this idea that sometimes we see ourselves in the moment, and then we extrapolate that over the course of our life. Maybe where we think, well, this mistake that I keep making now, even though I'm supposedly born again, okay, I'm, I'm born again now. Yes. Or I've been born again for 20 years, for 30 years, and I there, I keep stumbling in this way. I guess that's just me. Yes. And so we, we see this momentary thing and we just, we define ourselves by it. And we then disclude that bit of ourselves from being completely regenerated. Mm. Somehow we make ourselves the exception. Right. And then we can often get into, therefore, I have to fix this, which was never on the table, right. ever. Right. If you're dead, you can't raise yourself to life. Correct. Yeah. And talk about an offense. There's our stumbling stone, right? Yeah. So I do love the enjoyment part of when we are his, we are living in a different economy completely. Mm. And it's why the fruit comes yeah. that the Bible talks yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a little taste of the bluntness of the preachers of that era yeah. right near the tail end. He yep. says, uh, a day will come when those who are not born again will wish they had never been born at all. Mm-hmm. Oh, we can't say that from the pulpit today, <laughs> no, can we? we? Cannot. No, we cannot. It's offensive. And we anymore, it seems that if you make me feel bad, then you are wrong. It's mm. not right for me to feel bad. Right. And that's a wrong economy to be in. It's a right. wrong equation. Right. It's the, a self-deception. It's, it's frustrating because there are things that, we need to say uh, both to each other as believers in this community, there's things we need to to say to each other that if we don't understand God's word, we will be offended. Yeah. Jesus was offensive all the time. I mean, he said he's the only way to God. How 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 exclusive can you get? You know, he's supposed to be real, very offensive. Right. Um, but I don't think he was, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't attribute, you know, motive, but J.C. Ryle was speaking out of love. Mm-hmm. He was speaking the truth in love. I don't want to say that he was throwing a finger and accusing yeah. and condemning. It's possible he was just trying to convict people mm-hmm. and that the Holy Spirit is is who convicts us to draw us to God, yeah. not to condemn us and say, well, you you don't deserve God's grace anyway. Um, Not to condemn us and say, you don't deserve God's grace anyway. Uh, but again, I, I think you're right. I think sometimes pastors at that time, we hear these old... Um, sermons and we think, oh my goodness, he's so blunt. It's so, we would consider that offensive today, but I don't think they were just trying to offend people. No, no, not at all. They were trying to make it as clear as day. Yeah. And you can't understand that unless you understand what night is. Yeah. The glory of day is because you understand night. So what we've just been talking about and what J.C. Ryle has been completing this first half with 
sounds like a bit of a downer yeah. because it's the legality. Yeah. And it's the part where we need to understand we are in the ocean drowning. Now, many of our listeners will already have understood that, but at large, society no longer does. Mm. And so that note is there to help us go, oh, I am in the ocean. I'm drowning. And what we need to do is bring that around to a note of encouragement because a, a rope has been tossed. It's within reach. And there is the place here where we have the ministry of encouragement to those around us. Mm. And that comes in our tone. It comes in our choice of words. Because what the people around us tend to hear is, you are bad. And that's an extremely negative thing to say now. Right. The deal is actually that you are loved. Yeah. Or you can be born again. Yes. We, when we say that you can be born again, people just think, oh, so you're telling me that I'm just dead in my sin? Right. Yeah. But the <laughs> encouragement is you can be born again. Right. There's the way out. And, and you will live. And that needs to be as a value. And they'll hear it in our tone and in our choice of words. Yeah. Right. And so it's very much on the upswing that we need to. And the second part of this sermon will be the upswing as well. That's true. Well, this was only part one. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who are listening, remember, all of our sermons are available on the Unshackled app. So go online, go to your app store, go wherever and download and install the Unshackled app on your uh, device. It'd be good. And uh, you can hear all of our old archives, all the stuff, and you can also communicate with us through that. Feedback, feedback, uh, the feedback. The next, yes, the next one will be part two. <laughs> Good. Go, go figure, and uh, it's going to be great. It's it will be even longer, uh, so you'll have a chance to hear a better part of this sermon. This has been history's greatest sermons, an unshackled production of Pacific Garden Mission, produced and directed by Timothy Gregory. To hear more Unshackled content, you can download our app. Get it for free at any of the major app stores. For more information, visit unshackled.org. Join us next time as we experience another one of history's greatest sermons. <laughs>